Well, good morning, Mission. Good morning. All right. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you all so much for being here uh, this morning. It is a special day in the life of Mission as we have the opportunity to be able to worship together as families. Uh, and as the church family all has the opportunity to be able to worship together. And so kiddos uh, that are in here, our elementary kiddos, uh, if you'll just stick with us. I got some things that you're going to track with me. I'm going to ask you to do some things in a little bit. But main thing that I need our elementary kids to do and our teenagers to do is make sure that your parents are keeping awake, okay? That your grandparents are keeping awake um, because uh, that's really important. So you make sure that they're paying attention and doing what they need to do. And so uh, parents and grandparents, we're uh, excited to be able to worship together with all our families together this morning. Parents, I want to set you at ease. If you have a, uh, a kid that's maybe a little bit wiggly, that's okay. Uh, we, we are fine with the wiggles and the noise that come along with that. My wife and I have a saying around our house that goes like this, that uh, where there is mess there and noise, there is life. Uh, and we have a lot of life in our house, I'll just put it that way. Uh, between a 17-year-old, a 15-year-old, and a 9-year-old, we've got a lot of life going on in my house. Uh, and so we all the time, as we hear noise going on in the house, we look at each other and we go, we're going to miss this day one day, right? You know, like it's like just kind of, we know that we are going to miss those uh, things. And so kids, uh, we are excited that you are here with us in uh, worship this morning. Over the past few weeks uh, in here, Pastor Jeremy has been walking us through a series uh, looking at the life of Paul. And we've been in the book of Acts and we've looked at uh, Saul uh, who was Paul before he became a follower of Jesus. And uh, we looked at his life and how his conversion uh, and everything. And then our kiddos in the back, they've been looking at this idea of faith. They've been uh, studying about faith all month long. And they, faith, uh, they've been defining that as trusting in what you can't see because of what you can see. And so this morning for family worship, I thought it would be a great idea to take what they're doing, what we've been doing in here with the life of Paul and, and what the kids are doing as we look at faith, and let's put them all both together into one thing. And so uh, we're, we're going to bring all that together and uh, kind of looking at the idea that the kids uh, have been looking at is this, is that God will make everything right in the end. That God's bringing everything in the end. He's going to bring everything right. Uh, he's going to make everything good in the end. And so today we're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is a letter that Paul wrote. Uh, and as we're going to look at a passage of scripture that's going to kind of build on a letter that Paul wrote as well as um, looking at what the kids have been studying as well. Now, kids, as, as your parents are flipping to 2 Corinthians, Paul, this is his second letter to the church in Corinth. All right? Called 2 Corinthians. So any kids want to guess what the first letter to the Corinth church was? It's not a trick question. You're all staring at me. Nobody wanted to answer in first service either. That's all right. It's 1 Corinthians, okay? <laughs> it's 1 Corinthians. Uh, but, and uh, one of the things that Paul has been trying to do in this letter of 2 Corinthians, he's been writing to the church and trying to help them understand because there's been this group of people that have come up in, in the church and they've been attacking Paul. They've been attacking his um, authority. They've been attacking who he's saying that he is, his authority as an apostle. And they've actually been calling him crazy. They've been saying, hey, Paul's lost his mind. Don't listen to him. He, he's just too fanatical. He's too out there with his views on Jesus. And so they actually are, are trying to attack him. And so Paul is writing this letter um, to the church uh, of, of Corinth, the second letter. 
he's writing to them to kind of combat some of these things and help them understand some things that he wants them to see. And so if you've been able to turn to 2 Corinthians, we're going to be in chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 13. It says this, if, if we are out of our mind, as some say, is for God. All right, so Paul just right off the bat, he's saying, like, if we're crazy, if, if, if you think I'm crazy, it is for God. I am fanatical for him. So I know everybody's thinking I'm crazy, you know, but I'm not. I'm crazy because I love God so much. And I'm going to lay that out for you over the next few verses. But if we're in our right mind, it's for you. If you think that I'm in my right mind, Paul's writing this to this church. If you think it's uh, because I, I am in my right mind, then it is for your benefit. It's for your help and, and growing in your relationship with Christ. And then verse 14, he says, for Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, talking about Jesus, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for this time that we've set aside to be able to gather, to be able to worship you. And Father, I ask that as we open up our, the word this morning, I pray that we'll learn from you and that we'll leave differently than we came. Father, I pray that you'll just speak to our hearts now. And Father, I ask that you'll make me less, that you might be more. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Throughout this uh, passage of Scripture, Paul has been laying out some important things. And one of the things that he's been laying out is this whole idea of uh, made new. There, were, there was something old and something has been made new. And so I've titled this, pas uh, this uh, sermon this morning of, of new life. This whole idea that there is a new life that we can have. And lots of people like new things. In order for something to be new, though, there had to be something that was old. The old thing became new. Now, my wife and I, just a couple of weeks ago, we had the opportunity to get away for just a few days, just the two of us, and we ended up in this Airbnb, and as we checked into the Airbnb, we're talking to the guy that was there, and he was telling us all about this place that we were staying, and it was an old building, and we looked at it, and we were kind of like, okay, this is going to be interesting, you know, it's kind of one of those things of like, it looked really nice in the pictures, uh, but it was like one of those things where on the outside, we were kind of like, okay, and he's telling us all about this home. And it was, a, it was this little room, this little building that was there that, that we were going to be staying in, had been built in 1903, like, okay? Like over 100 years old, 120 years old, right? 
And we're like, okay, this is going to be really interesting. And so as we walk around and we go inside, the, the whole thing on the, new, on the inside is brand new looking. Everything was beautiful looking. Everything was great. And he had taken something that, that was old and he had made it new. And we like new things. And Paul has laid out some truths for us this morning that I want us to understand about this new life that we have available for us this morning. So the first thing I want us to see is this, is that new life is found in Christ. New life is found in Christ. So kids, elementary kids, find somewhere on a worship bulletin or a piece of paper, and this is what I want you to draw. This is going to help you guys zone in and, and remember these points that I'm trying to help you guys understand, help us all understand this morning. It's this idea, write the word Christ, but the, instead of the I, write a person with their arms raised up because they are worshiping God because of the new life that they have in Christ. They have found new life. They are in Christ. New life is found in Christ. Look with me again in, the, in this verse, uh, verse 17 of the passage we just looked at. Therefore, Paul's writing, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. You see, Paul is, is, is emphasizing this whole idea that, that, that we are a new creation. That God has created something new within us. And it's not because of anything that we can do. It's not because of, of the, doing the right things. It's not because of saying the right things. It's not because we filled out a card or anything else. It's because we are in Christ. And the only way that we're going to have that new life, Paul's trying to make clear, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. We are in Christ. That's the only way that we have that new life is when we are in Christ. You see, Jesus, in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one, no one, let me say that one more time. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's trying to make this very clear. And what he's saying here is, is contradictory to what many people think today, what many people understand today, because we think that we can do all kinds of different things in order to get to God. But Jesus says, look, the only way that you're going to have new life is having faith in me because I am the way, the truth, and the life. He's making a bold statement, but it's very clear to everyone who hears it. He is the only way. And the only way that we're going to have that relationship with God is by being in Christ. A few years ago, there was a movie that came out, came out uh, called Free Guy. All right? I don't know if any of our kids, y'all probably seen this movie, maybe some of your parents have. But this idea of there's this guy, his name's Guy, it's a great name, right? Uh, but his name's Guy, real original. Uh, and he's uh, what is called, I had to write this down to make sure I got it right. I had to ask my gaming teenage son to make sure I had it right. My, he is a non-character background player in a video game. Okay, so the whole idea, premise of this movie is that there's this video game, and he is a non-character background player in a video game. That's a fancy way of saying he's a background actor in a movie. Okay? Now, the background actor in a movie, they have no role. They don't really have words. They're just standing in the back, and they're mouthing stuff, but they're not actually talking. They're doing things, but they're not actually really a part of the movie. They're not the main part of the movie. But in this movie, this guy, his name being Guy, uh, goes through some processes. And he, he wants to kind of realize that there's something different about different characters that are in this game. And through a series of processes, he begins this new life, if you will. 
Because he puts on these glasses that open up a world to him that he didn't see before. And all of a sudden, he realizes that he can have a new life. And the rest of the movie goes through this whole uh, thing of this new life that he is experiencing. And see, the thing is, is while this is really just a movie, this happens in our life when we begin that relationship with Jesus. When we begin a relationship with Jesus, Paul writes that we are in Christ. We are found in Him, and that we are a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. Everybody was telling this guy that he needs to stop trying to do all these things, and he wanted to continue to move forward because he realized that he had a new life. He was experiencing something new for himself. And the same thing, again, is true for us, that when we are in Christ, we are a new creation. We, we begin to look at things differently. We begin to experience things differently. We begin to understand more deeply the Word of God. And when we are in Christ, it doesn't mean that everything's going to be easy, that everything's going to be rosy, that everything's going to be perfect in our lives. It just means that when we are going through difficult times, or when we're going through good times, or when we're going through the meh kind of times, right? That, God, that we're in Him, that we're uh, able to stand in Him. We have to grasp the fact that we are in Christ and that new life is found in Him. Which leads us to our second thing that I want to see this morning, our second truth that I want us to see, is that new life reflects a life of obedience. It reflects a life of obedience. You see, new life is a reflection of our obedience to Christ. Kids, draw a person looking in the mirror. Right Now, the cool thing about looking in a mirror, the, when you look in a mirror, I can't make the mirror do something that I'm not doing. Like, I can't point to the right and it point to the left. Okay? I can't point up and it point down. I can't, like, I can't, it, it is going to reflect back what I show the mirror. And the same thing is true in our lives. With it. When we understand that new life is reflected by a life of obedience, we will understand that our lives are a reflection of God's working in us. Let's look again in verse 14. For Christ's love compels us. I want to just stop for a minute because in other translations it says that it controls us. See, this whole idea is that it pushes us to do something. Christ's love compels us. Not because we're forced to, not because we have to, not because we're doing it begrudgingly, but it compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. That's talking about Jesus, and therefore all died. And Jesus died, he died for all, that those who live, that's you and me, no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. You see, in this passage, it says that his love compels us, or in some translations, again, it says that he controls us. Now, that's not the idea that it's like we're a robot who have no for, you know, we can't make any decisions for ourselves. But because of what God has done for us, because of the new life that we have in Christ, because of the greatness of God working through us, we are compelled, we desire to, we want to live a life that honors him. Because of we've experienced that new life, we want to live a life of obedience to Christ. Not begrudgingly, not saying, man, I have to do these things, but because of what God has done for us, it's going to make us want to do those things. We'll begin to imitate Him. We'll begin to reflect 
Him. One of the things I've learned about myself over the years, my wife reminded me of this just the other day, is that um, I, I kind of begin, if I hang around somebody for long enough and we spend a whole lot of time together, I begin to pick up some of their habits or pick up some of their, uh, I begin to act like them or talk like them or different things like that. Now, I know that's not always a great thing, but it's just the truth. That's part of one of the faulty parts of my personality, I guess. And, you know, we've always been told that, truthfully, you're going to be a reflection of the, like, five closest friends in your life. You, so you've probably heard that before. But this happens to me more often than I realize. And she reminded me just the other day about a time, this was right before we got married. Uh, she was finishing up her last year of school, and I would, had moved up to uh, seminary, and I was taking my first year of seminary. And I moved in uh, to a dorm, and I was living with a group of guys, and she came up to visit me. And when she came up to visit me, I was like, hey, how's it going? And she was like, what are you doing? I was like, what are you talking about? What am I doing? And I was like, whoa, cool. And I was like, just talking really weird. And she was looking at me like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know what's going on. And it didn't make any sense to us, either of us, until we went up and we went to our room and we meet my roommate, Chris. Now, my roommate, Chris, was uh, a guy who was in the college there at, the, at Southeastern, and he had long hair, and he was a skater. And he was all about skating and all about this, but because we lived together and because we spent so much time together, I just began to take on some of these characteristics of him, right? And it wasn't true to who I am, but the thing is that I want us to understand is that when we are spending time with God, when we're spending time in His Word, when we're spending time uh, reflecting on who He is, it should show out in our lives. People should see the difference. People should see the difference that new life has brought into us. It should reflect out to everyone around us. You see, when we have new life, and it's found in Christ, and we spend time with Him, we will reflect Jesus and the way that we do that is by spending time in His Word, as I said a moment ago. The way that we do that is by getting connected into groups. Just this past Wednesday night, we talked about all the groups and all the different ministry opportunities that we have for this fall. And we do all these things because we want you to get plugged into a place where you can get into God's Word. Men's groups and women's groups, small groups, kids groups, teenage groups, student groups, so that you can grow in Him and that your life will be a life that reflects Him. You see, we're obedient to Him because, not because we're forced to, but because of our love for Jesus. And that will compel us to live a life that honors God. And I invite you to put yourself in those places to where you're going to uh, grow in Him so that you can reflect Him. Not for your own glory. Not for, so that people can look at you and go, oh, they're such a good person but because of who Christ is and what he has done for us, because of his great love for us, because it compels us, it pushes us towards him. Parents, we understand this really well, because truthfully, and it's not always positive, our kids will reflect back who we are. Attitudes, facial expressions, all that sort of stuff, you're like, where did that come from? It's like, it came from you, okay? It's like, it came from you. And we realize that. And Paul is writing this, uh, wrote this in 1 Corinthians. He says this, he says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
And what I want us to understand is that this is not just a challenge that Paul puts out to the church in Corinth, but this should be a challenge for all of us, that we are living in such a life that we're being an example to the people behind us, to the kids, to the grandchildren, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, and seeing, seeing them as, as you lead and follow Christ, that that is an example to them. And parents, I just want us to park here for a moment. And I want you to grasp this. I want you to understand this, the seriousness of this. Okay? We, we all the time talk about the importance of sharing your faith. We all the time talk about the importance of, of helping people to follow Jesus and being a reflection of that. Listen to me. I want you to know your greatest evangelistic field that you have. Parents, the greatest evangelistic field that you have are the people that stare at the back of your head on the way to church. It's the kids that are right in the backseat of your car. You see, the thing is, is that we at Mission are committed to kids' ministry and student ministry in big, big ways because we believe in, in investing in those things and making much of those things, but we are here to partner with you because you are the primary discipler of your children. They're going to do what you do. And uh, Paul is inviting all of us to follow the example as we follow, follow our example as we follow the example of Christ. We should all be an example and live lives that reflect our obedience to Christ because of the new life that has been given to us. We have new life. The third truth I want us to see this morning is this, the last one is that new life shares Christ with others. New life shares Christ with others. Kids, this is your drawing to help you remember this point. As someone speaking through a bullhorn, right? Now, I'm not talking about like screaming at people because that's rude and you're never, never going to get across that way, okay? But we're sharing. This, the whole idea is that we're trying to communicate. We're trying to tell everyone about who God is. It shares with, about Jesus with other people. Look with me again, at, starting in verse 18. Paul writes, he says, All this is from God, who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now I want us to, to hone in on a couple words here. And I kept highlighting them because they're really important. This idea of being reconciled. God is Paul is writing, he says, hey, look, we've been reconciled. I want you to be a, you've got the ministry of reconciliation on this whole idea. And I don't want us to just say that word and miss what Paul is trying to communicate here. Okay? I want us to understand this idea of what reconciliation is. And what that really is, the easiest way to kind of talk about it is that it's been made whole. It's been made together. It's been brought and it's been uh, reconciled. It's been fixed together. And, the, and, and understand, in order for us to understand how that takes place, Place, we have to kind of go back to the beginning. You see, the, the thing is, is that at the very, very beginning, when God created everything, everything was good, and we were in perfect, right relationship with Jesus. 
There was nothing that separated us. We were together, and God had, had perfect fellowship and community with his creation, with Adam and with Eve. But because of sin, because Adam and Eve were deceived by Satan in the form of a serpent, there was a break. They, they, uh, because they chose to eat of the fruit, they sinned against God. And then from that point on, there was a break between God and his creation. And throughout the rest of the Old Testament, uh, it's, it's this process of God trying to show his people who he is and how he is holy and telling them how he wants them to live. And the people trying to do the best they can, but no matter how hard they tried, they couldn't quite get back to being made right with God. It was almost kind of like two magnets that would kind of push against each other, you know? They can't really get back together. Because God is holy, and because of the sin of man, they weren't able to come back together. But because God's great love for us, Jesus, God sent his son Jesus into the world to be that perfect, sinless sacrifice, to die on the cross for your sins and my sins, And he was buried and he rose again on the third day, conquering sin and conquering death so that because of putting our faith and trust in him, because of trusting in what Jesus has done, we can be put back together and we can be made whole. We can be reconciled with him. We can be made new in him. And that's that whole idea of what reconciliation is, is being able to put back together what was broken and it's not done because of what we've, we can do. It's not done because we put our name on a church roll. It's not become, done because we give to the church. It's not done because um, we uh, just attend church or do a lot of good things or go on a mission trip or any of those things. It's only able to be reconciled. We're only able to be made right when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. And that's what Paul on these verses is trying to help us understand when he talks about this idea of being, uh, the, bringing the message of reconciliation and that we are Christ's ambassadors. You see, we should be the example. The ambassador is somebody who is, is Christ's example. That's what Christian means. It means little Christ. And so that's that whole idea is that when somebody calls you a Christian, they're saying you are a little Christ. And so it's the idea, again, that we are his ambassadors, that we're going out and we're going and showing to the world that we represent him and that we're living a life for him. Think about it this way just for a quick second, okay? Because like, as we go out, as we share, we're, we get excited about those things. You're going to be excited to share about good things that happen in our lives. When we have been reconciled, when we've been brought together, we are going to be excited to go and tell others about him. Think about it this way real quick, okay? Let's say that, uh, you know, Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or let's even go for our kids, Mr. Beast, okay? Our kids know who Mr. Beast is probably. If you're in this room and don't know who Mr. Beast is, ask a kid. They'll know. They'll be able to tell you, okay? But let's say one of those three gentlemen, they walk in and they hand you their bank card, And they say, here you go. Here's my bank card. You've got it. You're good. You do whatever you want to with it. It's yours. You have full access to everything that is in my bank. How many of you would just take that bank card, you'd look at it for a second and be like, wow, that's really awesome. Stick it in your pocket and just kind of walk off and not tell a soul about it. 
No, you would be like pulling it out and you'd be like, oh man, this is going to be fun, right? You're going around and you're going to tell all your friends, you're going to invite your friends because you're going to go on trips, you're going to go on shopping sprees, you're going to do all these different things because you're excited because you've been granted access to something that was, that's not truly yours. And the same thing is true for us. When we are in Christ, we're going to tell other people about it because we have something that we have access to God. We have access to the Creator. And we, want, we should want desire and want to tell others about Him. You see, people should see and hear about the difference that Jesus has made in our own lives. And we should be working to bring them into a relationship with God. In the book of Acts, uh, Peter and John, they, they in chapter 3, go into to the temple courts. And then as they're wa- walking into the temple courts, they run into a gentleman to heal him. He gets excited. Lots of different people get excited. And, and everybody kind of ca- causes a commotion. Well, the religious folks of the day, they don't really like that too much. And so they grab him. They grab uh, Peter and John, and they throw him in jail. And they pull him out of jail, and they're talking to him. They bring him before the, the rulers. They bring him before some judges, and they're talking to him. They're, they're telling them, you don't need to speak any longer about this Jesus. You need to stop it. And in the midst of all this, because they spent time in jail, and in the midst of all the people that are upset with them, and even in the midst of standing there in front of these uh, people that were judging them, they make this statement. Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and what we have heard. You see, many times in our lives, we try to listen to other people. We're like, oh, shh, don't tell anybody. Don't, make, don't be fanatical. They might get upset or anything else. But truly, if we have new life in Christ, we cannot help but speaking about what we have seen and heard. We should be challenged by that. See, we have new life in Christ, and that new life is reflected through our life of obedience, and our new life shares with others what Jesus has done which leads us to kind of a final thought for this morning, which is this, is that God has given us access to new life. God has given us access to new life. Maybe you're here this morning, and as, as I've been talking, you, you go, you've been thinking the Holy Spirit's been talking to your heart, and He's been working in your life, and you realize that, you know what, I don't have this new life, Adam, that you've been talking about for the past few, minute, few moments. Maybe you're here, and you're like, I've tried to do a lot of good things, but I, I, I never have taken the time to put my faith and trust in Jesus. I've tried to put it in my stuff. I've tried to put it in a job. I've tried to put it in my family. I've tried to put it in all kinds of different things. Well, today I want to invite you in just a moment as we pray together that today you'll put your faith and trust in Jesus and Him alone and find the new life that God has given to us. Maybe you're here this morning and you're realizing that, you know, I, I need to make sure that my, life, my life's not quite reflecting God like I, it should be. 
I'm not spending time in His Word, or I'm not putting myself in places to where I can learn and where I can understand. I, I invite you, again, to, to commit today to being a part of our activities that are kicking off this week. We've got women's groups and men's groups. We've got small groups. We've got stuff for kids and teenagers. Let this be, fall be a time where you are going to say, I'm going to put myself in a place where I can study His Word and it's going to be reflected through my life. Or maybe you're here this morning and there's somebody that God has been laying on your heart that you need to share the gospel with. Not screaming at them, not trying to prove a point, not trying to be right, but point to the one that is right, that is love, that is peace. And that's not you, by the way. Whatever God is speaking to you, as we begin a time of prayer together, we're going to have a time where we're just going to reflect for just a moment. And then we're going to have a time of prayer together. So I invite you to close your eyes and just spend some time as, as music plays to reflect on our message from this morning. Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the time and worship this morning to be able to worship together with uh, grandparents and, and parents and kids and aunts and uncles and, and our whole church family, just all together. Such a beautiful picture. And Father, as we talked about this new life today, as we talked about how we have new life in Christ, Father, I pray for the person in this room who maybe realizes today that they have never put their faith and trust in you. They don't have new life. They've been holding on to an old life. They've been holding on to their sin. They've been trying to work things out on their own, but they're just at the end of their rope and they need you. I pray that today, Lord, will be the day that they begin new life with you. If that's you this morning, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus. I thank you that he came and that he died on the cross for my sins. And I confess that I'm a sinner. And I accept the gift that Jesus paid for me. And today... As best I know how, moving forward, I'm going to live a life that honors you. If you prayed that prayer with me this morning, I pray that before you leave this morning, do not leave this place without telling somebody. You can tell your parents, you can tell your neighbor, the person that's sitting next to you, the person that brought you this morning, you came with, you're sitting next to, whoever it may be. Let them know that you made that decision to put your faith and trust in Christ. You can come talk to me. You can talk to Pastor Jeremy. We would love to be able to celebrate you and help you begin to take those next steps in your relationship with Him. Father, for those of us in this room this morning who 
realize that we need to, our, our lives need to reflect you more or that we need to be able to share the gospel with other people. Father, I ask that you will just begin to give us boldness to take steps, to put ourselves in places to where we can be and group together with other people who are studying your word, who are wrestling through it, not, not so that we can win a um, Bible trivia competition or anything, but so that we can know you more intimately and so that we can reflect you, so that we can uh, shine your light in our lives. And Father, I pray that we be bold to share our faith with our friends. That we be bold to share our faith with our neighbor, our co-workers. That we wouldn't keep it a secret. That we would be your ambassador. Father, we thank you for new life. Thank you for a new day. We thank you for your son Jesus. It's his, in his name we pray. Amen.